This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language and mature themes. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 350. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But first, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 1 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. This is the third book in the House of Bellevue trilogy. To listen to Book 1, Honor Bound, go back to Episode 318 of this podcast. For Book 2, Honor Tested, go to Episode 336. And if you want to listen to these books without all the intro and outro chatter, all three are available now on Amazon and Audible. I've got a fairly long chapter for you, so I'm going to skip the recap this week. Here is chapter one. Honor Reclaimed The House of Bellevue Book Three By L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter One Honesty, always. Friday, May 11th. Year 1894, Christos Reckoning. Metamore City. Capital, Imperial Union of Metamore and Allied Nations. Honor heard laughter coming from her father's study as she approached. She knocked on the door. Father? Enter. Lord Bellevue said, a touch of laughter still coloring his voice. She came in to find Alex, Natasha, and Father all sitting in armchairs, facing each other in a loose circle and holding lit cigars. Alex was in masculine form today, wearing a burgundy smoking jacket and no makeup. Father was similarly attired, but his jacket was a yellow paisley with a blue-gray lining. Natasha wore the trousers of her army fatigues, combat boots, and a man's sleeveless undershirt, which had probably come with the uniform. It showed off her powerful arms and shoulders to dramatic effect. Each of them had a tumbler with a small amount of brandy left in the bottom. Judging from the haze of smoke in the room, they'd been at it for some time. Honor blinked in surprise. Oh, hello, Alex, dear, Honor said. I was just at tea with your mother. Have you come to see us off? Alex smiled up at her, a little guiltily. Oh, hello, darling. Natasha and I were just sharing a few stories with your father. Life in the service and all that. 
Honor quirked an eyebrow at Natasha. Would these be anything like the stories you told the kitchen maids? She asked, her tone dry. Natasha's pale skin was already flushed, probably from the alcohol, but Honor thought she might have turned a few shades redder. I... Uh, she looked down at her boots, adorably flustered. Honor would have kissed her then and there if her father had not been present. Oh, do go easy on Natasha and Alex, Honor, dear, Lord Bellevue said, chuckling. Forgive them for indulging an old man's curiosity. He took a puff on his cigar, then sighed. Oh, so many things I missed in my youth. The alcohol, Honor judged, was making father sentimental again. She went over and sat on the arm of his chair, leaned over and kissed his temple. Yes, well, you shall have a chance to try skiing, at least. Simmons says the coach is packed and ready. The girls have prepared a picnic basket for us to share on the train. Lord Bellevue nodded. Very good, very good. I'll be down shortly. Honor turned to Alex and Natasha. Do you two have anything interesting planned this weekend? They had been spending more time together of late, and neither of them were invited to Drowling's ski retreat. As a matter of fact, yes, Alex said, sounding pleased. I've been asked to speak to a group of wounded veterans about how our bill would better their lives. Some of them are officers from noble houses, so their support may make a real difference in the council vote. And I am going to keep Alex company, Natasha said. And because there is pool table and beer. Honor smiled. Just a night out with the boys, then. Da, Natasha said, with a note of satisfaction. Tonight, I am not fancy girl, just soldier. Honor laughed. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it, then. She turned back to her father and Alex. And I hope it works. You've been campaigning for more than a month now. Are you going to have the votes? We're nearly there, I think, Lord Bellevue said, narrowing his eyes in thought. We're even starting to get support from places I hadn't expected. Do you know who told us about this wounded warriors group? Your cousin Graham. Honor gaped. Good heavens, really? He's never shown the faintest interest in politics before. Natasha grunted, a sound of dark amusement. Perhaps he has learned to have more respect for soldiers who actually fought in war. I have waited a long time for Graham to grow up, father said. If this is how he does it, that is a fine first step in my view. I'll drink to that, Alex said, and raised their glass. Though I still believe Honor would make a better scion. Here, here, Natasha said, and raised her own glass. Alex clinked their tumbler against Natasha's, and they finished their drinks together. Lord Bellevue did not join them in the toast, but held up his glass before his eyes. He swirled the brandy absently, his expression distant. Honor knew her father well, and she thought she recognized some of the emotions that flitted across his face. Hope, anxiety, doubt, and an aching, wistful sadness. What it all meant together, she could not begin to guess. 
He turned his eyes on her then, and they seemed to be focused somewhere deep inside her. When he spoke, his voice was pleasant but carefully neutral. And what do you think of that, Honor? You've had some time to consider the idea. Honor was unaccustomed to that sort of cool regard from Lord Bellevue. She almost reflexively demurred, with words that came so clearly and readily to mind that they almost seemed like they had been spoken in her ear. Oh, I'm not sure, my lord. If I were called upon to serve as our scion, I would certainly do my best to be a good one, but I haven't the experience that Cousin Graham has. She closed her teeth around those words. They were not hers. She did not hear them so clearly because they came from her heart, but because they had been trained into her from birth. Make yourself small. Make light of your abilities and your accomplishments. Let others lift you up, if you deserve it, and never, never let a man see that you think more highly of yourself than you do of him. Maybe no one had ever said these things in so many words, but Honor had learned the lesson regardless, in a thousand and one different ways. Except that now she could see that the lesson was pure poison. Countess Harcourt's words came back to her, cool and defiant. Many rules exist only to keep things as they are. These are the rules we must seek to destroy. So she took a deep breath, stood up a little straighter, and spoke the truth. I would make a better scion, father, she said, her voice cool and calm. Cousin Graham is a lout. He treats the help very poorly, especially when he is drunk. He squanders our house resources. He spreads vicious rumors about other nobles. He has tried repeatedly to embarrass me in public, purely for his own amusement. In his military career, he did nothing to distinguish himself, either in valor or in administrative competence. Simply put, he brings shame on our family, and if he ever becomes the new baron, House Bellevue shall be ruined." Honor watched Lord Bellevue's face throughout this litany. With each accusation, Father flinched, as if she were driving needles into his flesh. She paused a moment to see if he would deny any of these charges. He remained silent. He may not have wanted to face these truths about his heir, but now that they had been spoken, they were as obvious to him as they were to anyone else. To everyone else, in point of fact. However, she continued, in a somewhat gentler tone of voice, if you are asking how you should vote on the succession bill, father, then what is best for House Bellevue is really the wrong question. That surprised him. He sat up a bit straighter, pushed back the grief that had crept onto his face, and focused on her intently once more. Oh? Some houses will get better scions if the reform bill passes, Honor said, and some will get worse ones. But the important thing is that the rules will be fair. No house leader will see their title taken away from their children because they were born the wrong sex. Ladies will not have to marry someone they don't fancy, just because it would be good for their children's future. Our girls and androgyne children will grow up knowing they are just as valued as their brothers. She put a hand on his shoulder. 
That is the world I want my children to grow up in. Don't you? Lord Bellevue held her gaze for a long moment, saying nothing. Honor watched that dark tangle of emotions slowly fade from his eyes, replaced by a warm, steady sense of pride and respect. He reached up and covered her hand with his own, squeezed it gently. My child has grown up, he said quietly. Honor looked down at the floor, smiled self-consciously. I have been trying, she said. Lord Bellevue rose to his feet and embraced her. When he drew back again, he put his hands on her shoulders and looked her up and down, as if taking stock of how much she had grown. He nodded sharply. Very well, my dear. The succession bill comes before the council next week. I do not know if it will pass, but it will have my vote. Honor looked up, in surprise and excitement. It will? I mean, just like that? Father's laugh lines crinkled with amusement. Just like that, he said. Honor had to put a hand on his armchair to steady herself. I... I had thought you would wait to hear what Cousin Tyrrell had to say. I have heard that he has some sort of speech planned for tomorrow's dinner. Lord Bellevue arched his eyebrows at her. Did you indeed? That fact isn't widely known. Tyrrell and Lord Drowling feared that people may not come if they knew it was a political event. You must have made some well-connected friends. Honor glanced over at Alex, who gave her a knowing smile. I suppose I have, she admitted. Father noticed the exchange and chuckled. <laughs> well then, as to your question, I am well acquainted with Cousin Tyrrell's views already, and I do not expect to hear anything different tomorrow. His eyes went a little distant again, his expression thoughtful. Men like myself and Tyrrell belong to the past. The future is yours, Honor. You will have to live in it, while we will not. I shall weight your respective opinions accordingly. Somehow, Honor felt proud and embarrassed in equal measure. Father had never talked to her like this before, as one adult to another. It felt strange, but immensely validating. He leaned in a little closer to her, his eyes gently pleading. I would ask you not to mention it to Tyrrell and Graham, though, I would prefer not to stoke any ill feelings while we are all under the same roof. If the measure passes, I will tell them myself. Honor nodded soberly. That was a reasonable compromise, she thought. While her father's support might help convince others, keeping peace in the family was also important. I understand, father. Good. He gave her shoulders a squeeze then turned back to Alex and Natasha. My friends, I fear we must now take our leave of you. I wish you the best of luck tonight. Alex and Natasha stood as well, and they all bowed to one another. You as well, my lord, Alex said. I hope skiing agrees with you. At my age, I just hope I don't break anything. Father turned and kissed Honor's cheek. I'll see you downstairs he said. Then he looked up at Natasha, grinning broadly. I'm sure you'll want to say goodbye properly, eh? 
he clapped a hand on Natasha's shoulder and headed swiftly out the door, leaving Honor staring after him. What on earth did he mean by that? she asked. Awkwardly, Alex scratched the back of their neck. It, uh, seemed fairly obvious to me, they said. Unless a proper goodbye meant something different for your parents than it does for mine. Honor let out a nervous laugh. He couldn't possibly have meant that. Father doesn't know about us. Natasha, what was he really talking about? Natasha did not answer for a long moment. She looked studiously down at her own feet. I... I cannot say. Honor looked over at Alex. The androgyne's face was more expressive than Natasha's, and she saw there a growing sense of dismay. And perhaps... Something like pity. She felt a slow, seeping dread flow through her whole body. Cannot? Or will not? Natasha's lips pressed more firmly together. Natasha! He doesn't know about us, does he? Natasha's eyes flicked up to hers, then away again. Ashamed. Slowly, she sank back down into her chair. Her voice came out barely above a whisper. He told me that I must not tell you. Honor's body seemed to be frozen in place. A low buzzing noise filled her ears. She fought to find her voice. Why? I do not know, Natasha said, sounding miserable. He tried to explain, but... I did not understand. Honor leaned on the armchair again. But why did you tell him? Natasha shook her head. I did not tell him, she said quietly. He knew you liked girls. He what? Alex let out a soft groan. Oh, Honor, it wasn't hard to tell. Honor stabbed a finger at them, glaring. You stay out of this. Alex turned their hands outward in surrender, then sat back down again. He knew this, Natasha continued. And he asked if I liked girls as well, and if this was why I was fired from last job. Then he hired me to be your fancy girl. He said I could help you learn what you needed from partner. I did not tell him about what we did before that. But he knows what we have done after that. Natasha made a vague gesture with one hand. Not the details. He said it was private matter between us. Honor could feel her heart pounding in her chest. A cold sweat was breaking out across her brow. He knows. Father knows our secret. But how did he know? Until she met Natasha, she hadn't known herself. If Natasha was telling the truth, then Father must have heard something from the help. Maybe one of the kitchen girls had done it. They had seen her being friendly with Natasha, and had heard Natasha's stories about romancing attractive barmaids. Perhaps they had drawn the appropriate conclusions. Or perhaps it was someone from House Hassan. 
Natasha's friend, the Arambian woman, had seen them together in Natasha's room. Could she have sent a message to Lord Bellevue? Had she even known where Natasha went after she left House Hassan? If they had been in communication, Natasha hadn't told Honor. But then there were apparently a number of things Natasha hadn't told Honor. What else had she been hiding? Who else knew about their illicit affair? And if they knew that much, did they know the rest of it? Did they know about Honor's twisted need to be dominated? To be punished? To be possessed? Natasha said she had not mentioned that part to Father, but was she telling the truth? And even if she was, what if the maids had gone snooping in her room and found all of her wonderful, terrible toys? What if Mabel, dear precious Mabel, understood more than she let on? Suddenly House Bellevue's employees no longer seemed like a comforting, helpful presence. Instead, Honor felt surrounded by potential spies. Humiliation burned her cheeks. Fear threatened to paralyze her. But there was another emotion rising up inside her, too. Anger. That was better than humiliation and fear. She embraced it. Let me be sure I understand this, she said in a low, tightly controlled voice. My father somehow knew what I was before I did, and he hired you to be my whore. Natasha flinched at the word, and Honor pressed her attack, her voice rising in pitch and volume. Was any of it real, then? Any of it? Or were you just another one of my tutors, training me to be a good little wife for Alex here? Tears were spilling down her face now, but she ignored them. Anger was better than grief, too. Natasha shrank back in her seat, her face twisted up in pain. In her rage, the sight gave Honor a perverse sense of satisfaction. It was real to me, Natasha whispered. Please, little one, I... No, Honor snapped, cutting her off. Do not call me that, not ever again. Honor, Alex said in a placating tone. Please, you aren't being fair to her. She wheeled on the androgyne. I am not being fair. Honesty always. Your mother taught me that. How can I trust her if she won't even tell me the truth? Alex grimaced at that. They looked away, said nothing. You are right, Natasha said, her voice thick with tears. I should have told you. I am sorry, Honor. Honor glared at her, but Natasha wouldn't meet her eyes. From down in the foyer, Honor heard her father's booming voice. Honor, we're ready to leave. Are you coming? Honor bawled her fists in frustration. Yes, father, she shouted back. She turned to Natasha and growled. I cannot deal with this right now. I have a train to catch. When I return, we shall discuss your position in this house and whether it will continue. If I were you... I should begin exploring my alternatives. Alex winced. Natasha hung her head and nodded, once. Neither of them said anything. 
Honor stormed out, slamming the door behind her. And that's the end of Chapter 1. Come back next time, when Honor is stuck on a train with Delphinia, and Natasha gets some important backstory from Mabel. The House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Nathaniel Hawthorne said, Words, so innocent and powerless as they are as standing in a dictionary, how potent for good and evil they become in the hands of one who knows how to combine them. So, let our powers combine. It's time for the weekly writing report. This update covers the period of September 17th through September 30th. I wrote 1,441 words during this period, over the course of two hours, for an average of 721 words per hour. I wrote on two out of 14 days. Looking back at the month of September, I wrote a total of 4,962 words in eight days, averaging 620 words per day. That ranks 74th out of 89 months since I started this show. I spent 7.75 hours writing in September. Compared to August, my word count increased by 75%, and my writing time increased by 94%. Mel and I were in California for a much-needed vacation for most of the last two weeks. During that time, I put the computer away and focused on spending time with friends and doing some touristy stuff with Mel. The travel days were long and tiring, but the trip itself was fantastic, and we got to catch up with a lot of wonderful people whom we haven't seen in a very long time. This was our first time taking a vacation without our dogs. We left them at Doggy Fun Camp with our friend Amber, and while we missed them a lot, the trip was definitely a lot more relaxing without having to wrangle our little pack the whole time. The dogs seemed to have a lot of fun too, which was a relief. Mel and I are both back to work now, but we're already dreaming about our next big trip. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. 
The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.